Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM. It is Friday, and that means it's time for another edition of your favorite show about Minnesota craft beer, wine, spirits, cheese, cigars, food, the Minnesota Beer Cast. I am Drew. That's my co-host, Schmitty. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. How you doing? What's going on? Yeah. It's cold outside. It's chilly. It's really, it's like, it's it's, it's like it's winter. <laughs> or or it is. Around here. Yeah. yeah, it gets cold up here. I don't know if anybody ever told you that. Uh, yeah, that's that's the case. When I uh, when I first moved here, or before I moved here, and mm. people started finding out that I was going to move here, everybody looked at me like I was crazy and said, you know it gets cold up there, right? You know, like, yeah, yeah, I'm not an idiot. It's it's really only like the one month, month and a half. Like January, if you can if you can handle January, you're all right. You know, it's, things start to warm up and you get warmer patches in February and March is practically spring. <laughs> yeah. You've, you've lived here far too long. <laughs> my, my entire life. <laughs> we do have a great show on tap today, uh, so so pop open a cold one and settle in and enjoy. This is going to be a fun episode. Yeah, we've got uh, Michael Agnew from A Perfect Pint. We've got uh, Sam and Catherine from Sisyphus, and we've got uh, lawyer extraordinaire Jeff O'Brien is going to call in and talk about uh, Dilly Dilly. Dilly Dilly, the, <laughs> the, the, the biggest story in Minnesota beer in a while. The beer that made Minnesota famous. That, that was That's a cool story you want to get right to uh right to our guest lawyer extraordinaire jeff o'brien yeah before we do that just want to remind folks that we do have a, a giveaway uh going on with the folks from rare beer fest go ahead and tag us and uh, rare beer fest on uh, twitter the social media and uh, you'll be entered for a chance to win uh, two tickets to that uh pretty high value it's a hundred dollar ticket it's a premier event uh, not to be missed i uh i, I enjoyed a cigar with uh, with mark from chop liver today mm-hmm. and he uh, i can't i can't share what he shared Oh. With me, but he gave me some inside scoop yeah. on some things that are happening at the Rare Beer Fest. So some some people that might be there, some beers that might be there. I'm really hoping Garrett Oliver's coming. It's here. Uh, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some surprises in store in the next few weeks. So stay tuned. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get into it. Let's get Jeff on the line and talk about uh, his take on the uh, the controversy, the conflict between uh, AB InBev and uh, local craft brewers, Modest Brewing. Jeff, are you there? I'm here. Hey, man! Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you are the the lawyer extraordinaire that represents Modest Brewing. Tell us, uh, give us some background on the story for folks that haven't read the uh, the issue. Sure. Well, you, everybody's probably familiar by this point with the Bud Light ad that talks about where they use the term "dilly dilly," and it's got the uh, they're set in the Renaissance period, speaking Old English, and it's kind of a Another dig from AB InBev on craft beer and how we're all a bunch of pompous snobs. And um, the the guys at Modest, I started watching, I was following them on, on social online last uh, a couple weeks ago, and they start talking about Dilly Dilly, and I'm like, okay, this is this a joke or is this real? And as I I talked to them since this is the whole story, so they they got kind of fed up with the again AB InBev picking on craft, and so they decided let's basically use their goofy line dilly dilly and make a dilly dilly <laughs> i and thought so it was a good commercial of, it was kind of started out basically as kind of uh flipping the bird to ab InBev, and so they did it and then at some point during the during the, the process i think it was fermenting or whatever and then they then they found out that that ab InBev had trademarked the term dilly dilly 
<laughs> Oops. As I understand it, dilly dilly. <laughs> and as I understand it, there was some discussion um, about whether or not to call their attorney, i.e., me, not to find out what they sh- whether or not they should do it, but to find out what the consequences, what the worst consequences could be if they if they plan to go ahead with it as planned. But that, that, um, there was, I think, there was a vote taken, and those that wanted to call me got overruled. So I found out about this. Um, on first of all, I found out on the Facebook page they were joking about waiting for. The, they were like bracing themselves for the season to assist. And I had a response all ready to go because I was going to come back with them. But, you know, the test for trademarks is well, there's a likelihood of confusion. I said there's no way. Of, I was going to respond saying there's no confusing Bud Light and and Good Craft Beer like Modest because you know one of them you find. Um, you know, being poured on tap behind the bar, and the other you find someplace in the urinals in the bathroom. Oh, <laughs> oh wow, that's, that's a dig, dilly dilly. <laughs> they didn't need. They didn't need that because I, I get a call from a or email from a reporter on Friday asking what my response was to the cease and desist letter, and I'm scrambling trying to call all the owners, finding out what exactly has gone on. I finally get a hold of Kale, who you guys know. Yeah, and and he said, "Oh yeah, we got this the cease and desist letter." Uh, from a guy dressed in old English garb, and it was a scroll, and it had the Bud Light seal and wax, and they said we can use it up until it's gone, and they gave us two Super Bowl tickets. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Drew, you have the uh, the audio, do you not? Yeah, I've got the uh, I've got the audio of the uh, the cease and desist here. On the launch of your new brew, Dilly Dilly Mosaic Double IPA. <laughs> Let it be known that we believe that any beer that is shared between friends is a fine beer indeed, and we are duly flattered by your loyal tribute. However, Dilly Dilly is the motto <laughs> of our realm, so we humbly ask that you keep this to a limited edition, one-time-only run. This is by order of the king. Disobedience shall be met with additional scrolls. <laughs> then a fine, a formal warning, and finally, a private tour of the pit of misery. Please send a raven letter or electronic mail to let us know that you agree to this request. Also, we will be in your fair citadel of uh, Minneapolis for the Super Bowl and would love to offer two thrones to said game for two of your finest employees <laughs> to watch the festivities and enjoy a few Bud Lights on us. Yeah! Yours truthfully, Bud Lights. <laughs> Dilly dilly. <laughs> now, I, I, I've heard a lot of uh, I've heard a lot of chatter about this online, and there's a lot of people that are questioning, you know, the authenticity of how this whole thing went down, thinking that there had to be some planning or conspiring going on. And Jeff, you and I have talked about this. You were on our morning show, and and we've talked about this offline, and and you've repeatedly said if there was, they certainly didn't run it by their attorney. But regardless no. of like the motivations. Of uh, whether this was just like a PR stunt by Bud Light or whatever, 
I got to say, everybody handled this pretty cleverly. I, I think this was really, really clever, really well done. And one of the rare situations where, like, all parties kind of came out of it looking pretty good. Yeah. You know, it, 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 yes, if, if this was a setup, I wasn't in on the joke. Um, <laughs> but I wasn't in on them doing it in the first place and, you know, call, and, and you know, listing a cease and desist. But anyway, but what, but what, what AB Indev did is what you have to do when you have a trademark. By law, you have to police the, you know, the use of your mark. And they did it though in a way that didn't come off, um, you know, like a, like jerks. So uh, there was a, this was Drew and I talked about this. There was a there's been I, there was a, a years ago there was a blog site that did a, a April Fool's uh, jokes uh, product ad every April Fools, and they did one for canned unicorn meat with extra sparkles, and they used the term <laughs> unicorn the other other white meat. They got a 12-page cease and desist letter from the attorneys for the National Pork Board, and a lot of folks, including some in the in the meat industry, said, "What the heck are you guys doing with this? It's obviously a joke." So, as a, in contrast to that, rather than having this, you know, a cease and desist sent by Bud Light or by AB InBev, they did it through their PR firm and basically said, "Don't do it. It's funny. Don't do it again." And so it, it, you know, it's, it made AB Indev look good. It gave Modest a lot of national and international press. So it's a win-win for everybody, and that's what we like to see. I mean, as attorneys, we don't like to have to try to um, fight these trademark battles between uh, between breweries. Um, if we don't have to, then we'd like, we'd like to see if we can amicably resolve these. And and this is one of those where it was amicably resolved. So um, you know, tip of the cap to AB InBev for going this route, and um, you know my my only complaint to this whole thing is I, I haven't been offered one of the Super Bowls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck with that, <laughs> Jeff. I have I have a couple of legal questions. Yeah. Is is a scroll read allowed by a, a New York actor? Is that legally binding? I mean, how how official <laughs> is the the PR stunt in in legal terms? Well, the 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 I. I've actually inspected the uh, cease and desist letter. So I went over to the brewer at the tap room after they received it. Um, got my picture taken by it too. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it, it says everything. I mean, yeah, is it written kind of you know in old English? Yeah, but it says everything you need to. We hold the mark. Use it once. Don't do it again. If you do it again, there'll be a, there'll be worse consequences. Yeah. So they really do say everything they need to say. In a very unique way, I thought it was pretty there's cheeky that you know there's nothing there's nothing in the tra- in the Lanham Act, which is the federal trademark law, that says you can't respond in Old English on a scroll. Right? No, I thought you it know? was I thought it was great marketing, especially in in terms of you know you're you're getting a scroll from the the Crown, right? right? Which yeah. is you know who's the the king of beer? You know that I'm sure right. that's trademarked as well. I thought it was all done very very well. Yeah, you know. There's been a lot of tension in you know in recent years between the craft beverage industry and AB InBev. AB InBev has become this multinational uh, conglomeration of brands. But remember, back in the day, um, you know Budweiser was owned by Anheuser Busch, and I think that someplace somewhere, Augie Bush is looking down and saying, "Well done, everybody." So, is there a real danger as a business if I knowingly? try to violate a trademark, uh, you know, like dilly dilly. If I know that's 
that's not kosher. Am I is the the biggest risk I face getting a cease and desist letter first, or is there you know from zero to sixty? Uh, you know, what kind of damage are they looking at? Well, you know, it's 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 more of the to me, it's the the continuing violation. That's how normally we see these. This was, mm-hmm. you know, this was a, an easy solution because they didn't have an intention to make it again. Uh, I mean, they may they may brew the beer. I mean, you guys know that Modest kind of uh, you know uh, prides itself on doing a lot of uh, a, a wide variety of, of beers, and a lot of times it might be a one off type mm-hmm. of deal. So it's not it wouldn't be out of character for them not to make this beer again if they do. Yeah, it'll be called something else. So, um, you know, that's 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 all. I mean, you know, they got the the, the letter, the the, the the scroll of the warning shot, and they're ceasing and desisting, shall we say? Very good. I think they should rename it Willy Nilly. I think I think that's that's my pitch. It's close as you Dilly Dilly. I thought we should call it Cease and Desist IPA or. <laughs> The Mosaic IPA that shall not be named. <laughs> oh, I like that. That's good. <laughs> Very good. Well, thanks for calling in, uh, lawyer extraordinaire Jeffrey O'Brien. We are coming up on a break. You're listening to AM 1130 and 103.5 FM Twin Cities News Talk. Welcome back to the Minnesota BeerCast, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and 103.5 FM. Do want to put in a quick plug here. Uh, for the iHeartRadio app, really is the best way to uh, stay in touch and follow the Minnesota BeerCast. You'll get notifications every time a new episode is uploaded on the Minnesota. we got our very own channel, Minnesota BeerCast channel. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Sweet. Yeah, so download the free and easy iHeartRadio app and follow the Minnesota BeerCast there. It's the quickest and easiest way to stay in touch with the show. And we have got, what, three years' worth of archives on there? I don't know. That's Something a, like that. That's a lot. Yeah, we've been doing this a long time. A lot Somebody of should pay us to do this. <laughs> <laughs> we get paid in free beer. <laughs> and love. Right? Yeah, lots of love. <laughs> Minnesota BeerCast is all about the love. So, yeah, we've got, uh, speaking of beer... Uh, we've got Sisyphus <laughs> Brewing in the uh, in the studio. How are you guys doing? Sam, Catherine, go ahead and say hi. Hey, what's up, guys? Hi, thanks for having us. <laughs> thanks for coming in. It's uh, Have you guys been on the show before? No, we haven't. This is the first time. Yeah. Well, welcome. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So tell us about Sisyphus Brewing for folks that aren't aware. Uh, so we're a s- small, although we just upgraded um, from a two-barrel system to a five-barrel system in the last month. Uh, we're located right near downtown Minneapolis across the street from the Sculpture Garden. And the most unique thing about us is that we're also a live comedy club in our event space that we have in the back. That is pretty unique. Where uh, where did that idea come from? Um, well, it wasn't me. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> that your brainchild, Sam? Uh, uh, Catherine's not giving herself enough credit. It was kind of like a combination of um, looking at the taproom scene in Minneapolis when we first opened and kind of trying to position ourselves for the long term, the future of like, what af- what happens after the taproom craze dies down, which, I mean, we've seen over the last three years since we've opened, it's definitely kind of changed here. For um, sure. You know, I was, I was thinking about the other day when I was uh, perusing Yield Facebook, and every taproom, every brewery now is trying to do something to bring people into their facility, right? Be it an ugly sweater party or, uh, you know, a holiday event or yoga in the tap room or kettlebells or a book club or a market. But everybody is, people aren't just going to tap rooms for the beer anymore. 
No, I mean, I think maybe on a neighborhood level, we don't really have that kind of support just because of our location. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's definitely declined and in, in since we've opened. But we kind of saw that coming. We did a a cross country road trip probably five years ago before we even considered opening a tap room before we had even had the idea. And we went um, ten cities, drove out to the west coast, traded beer all along the way. Surly donated like six cases of beer for us to take with and just trade with local people as we did it. Really? I'm going to talk to them next time I take a road trip. Yeah. Just <laughs> email their marketing team and they give you free beer. It was way easier than we thought it would be. They're like, sure, come on over, get some beer. <laughs> so we did that and we kind of went and did, I used to do comedy here locally, mm-hmm. um, tried it on that trip too, did a bunch of shows in the cities. And, you know, I think beer is best enjoyed with um, f- friends in a setting that you all like. Like, there's so many choices now, and I think that's what people are really seeking out in the tap rooms is that like space where you're connecting and experiencing something together. And we just saw that as something that we thought would work really well here in Minneapolis. There's not that many comedy clubs for um, the size of our comedy scene, mm-hmm. and we thought craft beer and comedy is just no better combination. No, it makes a lot of sense. Like yeah. when you think about the the way beer is enjoyed with friends, usually over laughter, it's it seems like a a really good fit to have comedy in a tap room and you've got a great space for it i mean i was uh first time at your place this past saturday to see uh my friend brian miller and uh was it josh yeah josh gondelman was in town yeah, uh, I remember his last name yeah he's from new york we get uh, he writes for last week tonight there's a local comic cy amundsen who uh he's been on comedy central special right now he's doing something for espn he just really loved our space the first time he came in and he said to us i want to help make this the next best comedy club in my, in, uh, in Minneapolis. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's it is. I mean, it's a really good space and it the the it works very well for for a comedy setting. So so kudos and and nice job. I mean, I I think that was uh that was very clever and and nice forethought on your part to to do something different. I mean, you know, d- there are a lot of tap rooms and you and they are doing you got to do I don't know, gimmicks isn't really the right word, but you got to do things to stand out and differentiate yourselves and and I think uh, that's that, that's a really great angle. Yeah, find a niche, right? Yeah. And the fact that you're getting, you know, these national touring headlining comics, that's a big deal. Our best get so far, Catherine got him to come. Who's that? Catherine. Making a Murderer? Yes. If you've seen Making a Murderer, we had a a lawyer little powwow with the Making a Murderer lawyers. Oh, yeah. yeah, Yeah. Dean Strang uh, came into town. He came from the Dr. Phil show, right? Or was he going to the Dr. Phil show? Can't remember. Either way, we were on the other side of Dr. Phil, and that felt pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. No, it's, I think the sequel for that is probably due out pretty soon. So maybe when they uh, when that releases, you can have them back and talk about uh, part due. Uh, I think that was a one time. Yeah, I don't know. If, uh, yeah. No, not happening. <laughs> I mean, we'd love to have him back. Yeah. But I don't know if we're big enough. <laughs> well, when he comes back to do Dr. Phil, you say, hey, you know, stop doing your way to see Dr. Phil. That's right. We did learn that he liked um, We Heavies. That was go. his All jam. Right. Well, yeah, let's talk about some of the beer you guys have at, at Sisyphus. Uh, we just uh, enjoyed, uh, what do we have, the Clickbait IPA? Yeah, so that was the first beer we brewed on our new uh, five-barrel system. So that was pretty exciting to, to get that on tap. How nice is it going from a two-barrel system to a five-barrel system? I was telling Michael, there's some there's some learning curves involved, and our water heater went out the day it oh. showed up when we started to brew our first batch, so that was like kind of disheartening. How does how do you deal with that? Do you just chuck it? Uh, we did chuck it and <laughs> put a new one in. It, it had served us well three and a half years, and uh, with the two barrel system, we were brewing 
uh, anywhere from six to eight batches a week, mm. sometimes up to ten batches in a week. Um, so now that'll cut it down to two or three a week at most three. So it's definitely going to pay off in the long term, workload wise and um, beer wise. We've kind of always had a struggle of of keeping up with um, our tap room demand with the small system. You know, you only make four kegs a batch. That goes pretty quick. Yeah, it's kind of a, a good and a bad problem to have all at the same time, right? Yeah, it's good if uh, you don't mind brewing, which I really like doing it, you know, the process. Um, but when you start paying somebody to do it or looking for help, the labor costs just go way up, and it just doesn't really make sense anymore. Yeah. And uh, we had a brewer for a short period of time who came from Surly, and I think he just was like, he got sick of it within like three weeks. Like I'm only making four kegs per batch. Right. Why, why am I doing this? This isn't giant batches of uh, furious, right? This yeah, is exactly. Four but, kegs at a time. But to be fair, he is working at a place called Sisyphus Brewing. Well, I mean, so so explain, the struggle and, never ends. And I think that that's something we haven't talked about. But explain the, the meaning behind the name Sisyphus Brewing. Uh, do you want the the deep meaning or the the meaning we've been telling people? We've got five minutes left in this segment. Okay, so there's two meanings. The first meaning was uh, based on. The fact that we were a small two-barrel system, um, just that it was a never-ending process. Um, but the deeper meaning that we've kind of told people about in the last uh, six months or so is that uh, it's just based on my personal struggle overcoming mental health issues, that brewing was something that really made me kind of embrace life and, and want to live it. Um, so it's kind of about Catherine and I overcoming those things to start our own business, to put ourselves out there in the world, to kind of just live life in the way we wanted to do it. Well, I wasn't sure if you wanted to talk about it, but I, I did listen to a good portion of the podcast that you did uh, not that long ago, and I thought it was pretty inspiring. The, uh, why don't you tell folks about it just a little bit? Yeah, so we had uh, Paul Gilmartin. He um, used to be on a TBS show, and now he does a regular podcast called The Mental Illness Happy Hour. And that was something that um, kind of after that road trip I was talking about, and I just finished my MBA, didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life found that podcast and was really like, wow, there's other people out there experiencing the same things I am and they've overcome them. Mm -hmm. I can do that too. So his podcast is one of the main reasons why I initially sought uh, mental health treatment um, for the issues I was experiencing and, and why I'm here today. No, it's, that's kudos to you and, and kudos to him for starting that podcast. It's, it's, there's not, it's not talked about and normalized enough, I think, in everyday society and people are ostracized and feel ashamed and, uh, you know, I'm really proud of you for, for going and seeking help and, and for those guys for starting the podcast and for, you know, doing the brewery and, uh, you know, congratulations, man. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not something that's easy to talk about. And that's why for the first three years, the, the reason we told everybody for the name was just solely based on the, the two-barrel system because I think it's probably kind of weird to come into a tap room and hear that, the, hey, where'd you get your name? <laughs> well, I used to be really depressed. Uh, <laughs> So do you want to want beer, beer all day? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it may not be the best marketing campaign. No. <laughs> well, one of the uh, the beers that you have brewed is a, is a nice dark beauty here. Uh, tell us about the, the beer I'm drinking now. That one is uh, the Safe Lady Peanut Butter Stout. Uh, it's uh, got a lot of peanut butter powder in it to give it that uh, peanut butter aroma, a little bit on the taste. Uh, it's probably one of our main staples, probably one of the ones we make the most, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. where, where does one acquire peanut butter powder? This uh, we get from uh, Costco. Okay. Yeah. All right. Comes in a really big, uh, I think it's meant for preppers and whatnot because it's sold <laughs> in the prepping section online. <laughs> I don't know why anybody would want eight cans of peanut butter powder for the uh, apocalypse. Because peanut butter is amazing. That's true. <laughs> put it in your stash pack and for your, you know, that with yeah. your MREs. If I'm your... planning for an apocalypse, I'm going to have a lot of peanut butter. That and coffee. 
Like I'm yeah. going yeah. a crap ton of coffee. I'm like 70% peanut butter. So <laughs> I can relate to that. Right? I, yeah. I think you're selling yourself short, Drew. Yeah, it's more like 80. <laughs> you're right. More like 80. The other 20% is beer. <laughs> All right, we are up against a break. I got a, a couple more questions, and we want to talk about the other beers you have on tap over there at Sisyphus. Uh, we'll have more with the Minnesota Beer Cast coming up right after this. It's a heavy metal day. <laughs> poison, <laughs> poison isn't heavy metal. Yeah, it is, man. Okay. I know. I'm just kidding. There was a there was a brief period of time though where this was considered heavy metal. And that I, that late '80s, this was like hard rock. You know, I, I, I love look, poison. I don't, hey man, I don't care anybody says. Go ahead and judge me. I dig I dig the hair rock. You know, it's <laughs> fun. The best part is, is he's got no hair anymore. <laughs> Why, why you got to make fun of people for being bald? I, I can't. Why? Why? I can't. Why, I don't have any hair right either. here. <laughs> <laughs> I already started. I was already balding when this came out. So early, I started you, losing my you hair. Came out the womb bald. Yeah, yeah, pretty let's much. Be honest. Welcome back to the Minnesota Beer Cast. I am Drew. That is Schmitty, who a moment ago I considered a friend. <laughs> we haven't been friends since the chili cookoff. Let's be honest. <laughs> that was a that was an unhealable rift. God. I'm still, I'm still hurt. I'm still hurt. Well, you know, you you got what was coming to you that night. It was my fault. It was my fault. <laughs> that was a that was a fantastic night. It was. It was and a lot I of get fun. to I get to wear the chili crown for a full year. All right. I'm don't worry. I've already started my prepping for the next uh, the next challenge. I'm uh, doing lots of R and D. Dilly dilly, <laughs> chili chili. <laughs> I'm going to make dilly dilly chili chili oh, next year, and you're going to lose. <laughs> I just want to get a cease and desist out of the deal. That's yep. all. Talk to O'Brien. Make sure you got him on retainer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are uh, we are talking with the fine folks from Sisyphus Brewing. We've also got Michael Agnew in studio. Uh, feel free to chime in anytime you want, Agnew. It's total total roundtable. You've been pretty quiet up until this point. My mic's not on. There I am. There you go. <laughs> See, he shut me out. Yeah, right? shut he was me talking out. a lot during the last segment. Just nobody heard him. <laughs> he wouldn't shut up. Well, we were talking about uh, some of the comedy uh, that you guys do at Sisyphus. Uh, we'll get back to that in a minute, but let's talk about uh, some more of the beer. What have I got in my glass now? Uh, this is the Cubrit OPA. We call it that because it's the third version of our OPA. Um, OPA was one of our launch beers like when we first opened. Uh, it was one of those ones that we discovered on our road trip. Just a style that uh, we hadn't seen uh, very much of, I mean, three years ago. Um, it's kind of a new thing. And then we had the OPA Squared as the next version. It was kind of a reboot. And then we decided to get back to our roots, Cubrits, uh, that is, with uh, the Cubrit OPA. Uh, it's all citra hopped, uh, tons of oats. Uh, it's uh, almost 50% oats in the grain bill. Um, and just some light uh, pale malt and... A uh, little bit of crystal malt. So what do the oats contribute to the uh, the beer that uh, people are really going to enjoy? Uh, it's normally the mouthfeel that people look for, and they add a lot of oats to a beer just to kind of increase the the way it feels in your mouth, like a silkiness um, that comes across really nice. Very so cool. are you using, like, oat malt, flaked oats? What are you using? Yeah, flaked oats. Yeah. Does that do anything for your mash? That sounds, like, really sticky. Uh, it seems to work all right. It is sticky. Oatmeal, right? I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's got to be a mess. <laughs> yeah, throwing rice hulls uh, to keep it flowing. Uh, seems to work good. Our new brew system, uh, we, this is actually from our old brew system, so we'll see how it goes. But the, the old brew system, the two-barrel one, uh, we never had a stuck sparge one time. Like, the mash always ran off. It was just a really tall cylinder um, with a really nice false bottom and never, ever 
gummed up or got stuck. So the new one, uh, we'll see how this recipe goes. But is the uh, the new system a little more <laughs> automated than the last one? Uh, not necessarily. It's just a little more user friendly. Um, the old system has gone through a lot of, of reiterations. It used to be a gas burner that we converted to electric. It used to be on a really tall stand under a, a vent hood that made shoveling out the mash just like a real pain. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like all the things I've learned over the years, this one we just got dairy equipment kind of modified. So it works really slick. It's still really manual, but um, there's just some little tweaks to it that make it really nice. So I was surprised to just hear that you went from gas to electric. What's the the point of that? When we built the comedy room, because uh, when we first opened, and Michael was talking about this earlier, the back room used to just be storage, essentially. It was one giant room, um, so it was just it basically looked like unfinished warehouse space, like mm-hmm. possibly that even business wasn't being conducted on premises. <laughs> um, so we kind of always just hid that from people because we knew it didn't look good. Uh, we started with just plastic fermenters, too. Um, and then when we built the wall, the heat from the burners just made the brew space intolerable. Because we wanted to build the in between the comedy room and the brew space, a, you know, a sound insulating wall so it neither disturbed each other, and yeah, it got insanely hot. The workers that were doing the construction actually refused to come to work on days where I was brewing. Oh jeez. Yeah, because they were, they just saw me fire up this giant burner and they were like, "Oh my god, you're not paying them enough." They yeah, no, decide they, not to come to work. Yeah, they complained to their bosses later that day, and then they called me to ask for what days won't you be using that thing. <laughs> Listen, just come and get the work done. Yeah, exactly. How big a challenge is it uh, brewing on electric versus gas? Uh, for us, it's really it's really nice. I think the biggest restriction with electric is how much uh, can you boil um, and how fast you want to boil it. Um, so we had kind of oversized the electric for the two-barrel system so that it works um, moderately well. It could be a little faster mm-hmm. um, on the five-barrel. But uh, from an efficiency standpoint and from a brewing area comfort standpoint it's super nice because all the heat's going right into the liquid there's very little loss to the surrounding area versus with a burner um you know there's tons of stuff just spilling out into the surrounding area because most people do gas don't they yeah most people like on a commercial scale are, are doing some sort of gas burner or or steam jacketed kettle mm-hmm. does it just make more sense when you get to a, a larger scale to do it gas or What's the reasoning behind that? Do you know? Well, so we use for our electric for five barrels, we have uh, 80 amps um, running to that. And for our whole building, we have 200 amps or for our whole space. So we're using almost half of the electric just to boil five barrels of beer. That's not including the glycol chillers. So at a certain point, it's just a restriction on your electric service and how sure. much do you want to pay to bring in extra electric service, yeah. you know, um, and just... I mean, I think it's probably the way of the future with with the cost of solar panels and things like that coming down. But for now, it's it just doesn't really make sense on those huge scales. Yeah. And how about the the plastic fermenters? That's kind of a, I guess, another one that's off the beaten path, but totally doable. Yeah, it, it worked for us. Um, took a little bit of figuring out in the first uh, few batches, like just proper sanitization procedures for them. But uh, if you're mindful um, uh, and use them correctly, they work great. Uh, I was inspired by Jack Pine. Yeah. Brewing up in um, Brainerd area. He started with just plastic fermenters. Um, I kind of saw the way of the, for us was to get rid of those as quick as possible and get double-sized fermenters. So mm-hmm. we've had five-barrel fermenters for a long time that we've just been double-batching to fill. And then it was just the next step was to bring in the five-barrel brew house. So we fill a fermenter in one batch now versus almost filling it in two. So what do you do with old equipment like that, like with the the two-barrel system and the plastic fermenters? Do you just put them on 
beerparts.com? Or how do you guys upgrade and get rid of the old stuff? Uh, the old stuff is actually destined to become another brewery in uh, North Carolina. So we've got uh, two of the bright tanks down there and two fermenters down there. And uh, at some point, we're going to bring the uh, brew kettle down there to a friend who wants to start his own brewery. So we're going to trade it to him in, uh, in terms of some sort of ownership percentage and show him, show him the ropes kind of thing. There you go. And, uh, yeah, he's just going to start a small little... He only wants to brew once or twice a week. He bought a place that has a garage on his property. And in North Carolina, there's way more lenient uh, brewing laws. So <laughs> you could the, have it on your at your house. That's that way for a lot of places. Yeah, and so this true. is a friend? This is a friend, yeah. Oh, it's nice that it's it's like staying in the family. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Sam, though, I, I think you should tell him what happened to the plastic fermenters. <laughs> is there story time? Well, some of the plastic fermenters are still hanging around, and other ones we're using to make kombucha. Oh. Uh, so we've got kombucha on tap all the time now. It's something we want to bottle and um, sell to like local uh, grocery store, co-op type places, but it's just uh, not enough time for that yet. Drew and I have gone back and forth about kombucha. I don't know if we've done it on air, but yeah. man, that's that's an ugly process. Yeah, oh, it, like the the scoby yeah, stuff that yeah. forms. It looks ugly. Oh, it's, it's explain to folks how it how it is. It's well, scoby is what ferments. Uh, uh, a uh, batch of kombucha and it stands for symbiotic culture of yeast and bacteria and um, so basically it's yeast and bacteria doing what they would do in a sour beer except you're you want oxygen introduced so it happens at a super fast rate but yeah they're basically going back and forth on top of the fermenting kombucha forming different layers and pockets and they'll explode and like it just it's it's slimy. <laughs> it keeps growing other layers on it too. We're probably not helping like your future sales at all. <laughs> People love kombucha, man. Oh no, man, it's, it's hot. It's, yeah, it's up there with cider as far as a really growing part of the beverage industry. So yeah. If you've got the ability to make kombucha and get out of the marketplace, people people are going to buy it. In five years, the phrase, uh, you know, you don't want to see how the sausage gets made is going to be replaced. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't, don't want to see, see how the kombucha, kombucha gets, gets made. made. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I told uh, one of my employees, we had a batch, and it was like, throw away that uh, that SCOBY that's in there. And he came to me afterwards. He was like, I'm I'm never doing that again. Like, <laughs> it's just too gross. And I was like, why? He's like, well, I had to, like, climb in the fermenter and grab it. It was, like, falling all over me. Well, are you supposed to get rid of the SCOBY? Aren't you supposed to reuse it over and over? Yeah, you can reuse it over and over. So we keep uh, two or three fermenters going at a time, and, and at a certain point we'll just pull it out and throw it. You don't have to have a SCOBY to make kombucha a live culture of just like active um kombucha itself is enough to get a bit fermenting so what is what is in the the liquid i don't know if it's wort or what you call it but what what is being fermented at this point it's uh just sugar with uh green tea and some people are using black tea nowadays too All right. uh, so it's just you make you make tea you don't even have to get it to a boil you get it to 185 put in your sugar so you don't get over 0.5 percent alcohol you because you have to stay under that otherwise it'll be regulated sure um and yeah, you get 185, mix it together, knock it out, just the same as you would wort at the end of a, a batch, and then uh, let your scoby go to town on it. There you go, Sisyphus Brewing. They're pioneering. So you brought us, uh, you brought us your your peanut butter, your your safe lady. Mm-hmm. You brought us your OPA. You brought us your your IPA. You want to uh, you want to real quick tell everybody else what they can expect when they you know, when they show up at Sisyphus. What you got on tap? Uh, the thing to expect is not to see what you saw last time. So kind of like uh, we were talking about with Modest and you know, sort of the dangerous man uh, model is it's always changing and rotating. So mm-hmm. what you can expect is if you like IPAs, we'll have an IPA. If you like something dark, we'll have something dark. If you like a lighter session beer, we'll have that. We try to just cater to categories um, and keep them rotating. 
versus like always trying to have the same beer on tap. Yeah. Well, it's cool. It's a it's a really fun place. It's a great tap room. It's got a great vibe. The comedy room is fantastic. I would encourage anybody that hasn't been there go check it out. Uh, I made my first visit just last week and and had a wonderful time. We've got um, shows coming up like the one you went to uh, where we booked the comedians. We do um, every Thursday is a free open mic at eight o'clock, and then uh, like the show you went to with Josh, it's uh, rotating. Um, so on the fifteenth and sixteenth of December, we have uh, Blake Wexler coming into town. And he's done stuff on Comedy Central, Crack Podcast, Todd Glass uh, Podcast. So it should be really good. Very cool. fun. All right. And where, do you have a website where people can find and look at your calendar? Sisyphusbrewing.com. That's easy. And we'll link to that in the show notes, too. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We've got one more segment coming up on the Minnesota Beercast. Uh, tune in after the break. Uh, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130. That's right. 103.5 FM. Welcome back to the Minnesota Beer Cast. Quick reminder, if you want Schmitty and I to come out to uh, your place of business, your tap room or establishment, and do a Minnesota Beer Cast, give us a call or shoot us an email. Uh, you can find all the contact information on minnesotabeercast.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter, MN underscore Beer Cast. You can, uh, you can hit us up through there. DMs are open. Uh-oh. What? All right. You say so. Don't make it sound weird. I'm saying. Uh, Facebook, uh, you can message us through our Facebook page as well. Just search the Minnesota Beer Cast. <laughs> all right. All right. Pot it down. Pot it down. <laughs> we've, uh, we've made Mr. Agnew wait long enough to talk about his beer. Thanks for coming on, Michael. Hey. Always a pleasure. So tell us about this uh, this beer you made with uh, Excelsior. Yeah. So I got a, a message from John Click out there uh, a while back. Love John. Yeah. Awesome dude. Uh, I was sitting out in my backyard just uh, hanging out drinking beer, and I got this message saying, we should get you out here and make a beer. Like sure, let's do it. Um, so we went back and forth on uh, some recipe ideas, and I had initially pitched a uh, Rogan beer, like a mm-hmm. traditional German rye beer, and thought, yeah, that sounds good. And you don't see those very often, whether mm-hmm. it's import or local or whatever. Um, and you know, the brew day drew closer, and and they didn't have a, a hefeweizen yeast. Which made that hard. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, we pitched, uh, you know, Niles and I there pitched some some other ideas of how we were going to approach this and came up with the idea of a, a rye steam beer. So using uh, like 25, 30% rye, something like that, uh, and making like a, a California common style. Uh, and then the day before the brew day. I'm out in my backyard again. I hang out in my backyard a lot. I like my backyard. Right. Uh, and I have this pergola, and I have three hop vines growing on it. And I have never, in the five years I've been growing hops, used my hops for anything. <laughs> so I'm sitting out there, and I look up, and I see my hops, and I think, hey, we could use those hops. For sure. Because uh, they were ready. To, it was right at the time. They were ready to pick. So I picked uh, as many hops as I had time for, brought those in. We used those in the beer. So we have not just a rye steam beer, but a fresh hopped rye steam beer. That is layers upon layers upon layers. Layers upon layers upon layers. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. How did you first get into into growing hops? Uh, so I used to homebrew pretty avidly. Um, and when I moved into my new house, there's a big pergola in the backyard. And I mm-hmm. thought, you know, I could grow hops and let them run up this pergola. That'd be awesome. 
uh, and then I quit home brewing, <laughs> <laughs> but I still have these hop vines. So they're all ornamental now. They just go up the uh, twine and then sort of climb all over the top of the pergola, and they're they're actually really lovely. So I'm I'm a terrible home brewer. I'll do it every once in a while, maybe a couple times a year. But I've gone you know a couple years at a time in between home brewing. What made you decide to kind of dial it back on home brewing? Um, a couple of things. One was time. Mm-hmm. It just takes time. Yeah. Uh, and the other was I had a basement full of beer. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to <laughs> produce more beer when you've already got right. beer, right? Well, that's the thing. I mean, you probably realize this. When you write about beer, people send you beer. Yeah. Uh, and If they're smart. If they're smart. <laughs> and that's, di- that's died back for me a little bit. But there was a point in time where I was getting at least a shipment a week of beer. So I had more beer in the basement that I could conceivably drink yeah. uh, before it got bad. Um, so the thought of adding even more of my own beer to that was kind of... Yeah, I've, I've kind of got the same problem at my house where I have a, a basement. My wife is always telling me to drink more beer, which is one of the, one of the many reasons why I love her. But, uh, what, a, what a tough life. Right? But it's, it takes time to make beer, as Sam can, can attest, yeah. right? It's, it's especially if you're going to do all grain, right? I'm curious if you had a graveyard of beers when you gave it up. Like when I switched from homebrew to professional brewing, I had like six buckets where I was like, these are just, these no longer exist to me. All right, so that's like funny. Two years later, I went back to taste them, and I was like, wow, nothing held up. I still have a graveyard of beers. <laughs> I haven't homebrewed in five years. So I have in the basement two cases of a lambic that I made a long time ago that is straight up hardcore enteric vinegar. It is nasty <laughs> stuff. And then I have two buckets. Uh, one is a lambic and one is a Flanders red, both of which are pretty darn nasty but yeah. they're not in the way so <laughs> i don't think to dump those buckets and get rid of them. <laughs> well, but the, the lambic is like 10 years old now in this bucket and it is really awful well, by, by year 20 it may it may turn yeah it might turn a corner uh, <laughs> this is like real vinegar <laughs> well i mean it's not too different from from what sam's doing with the scoby uh, i mean that's how people made vinegar is with that yeah. culture, right? Yeah. I, I've often thought about doing that myself is, is doing some vinegar at home. I bet there is a scoby in these buckets. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure a scoby in those buckets. <laughs> so the, the FOB, what, what is the uh, – it's the FOB beer with it. F-A-B, FAB. FAB. What, what makes it so FAB? Uh, so that is an acronym uh, for I'll, – I'll do the nice way uh, – F and Agnew brew. Uh, and that comes from a joke that uh, my good friend and a lot of people in the beer community know her, Jira Exir Latour, mm-hmm. um, started. We were at a beer festival uh, and I was being all timid and waiting in line with everybody else to get beer. And she looked at me and said, What's wrong with you? You're Michael F and Agnew. <laughs> <laughs> and it just kind of stuck. Nice. <laughs> so when, uh, when Click contacted me and we were tossing around recipes uh we came up with what we wanted and he said great agnew brew and i said effing agnew brew <laughs> he said fab that's a great beer name we'll do it absolutely absolutely <laughs> i like it a lot man so the it's a steam beer and for folks that may not realize what what that is walk them through it real quick yeah so uh steam beer or california common is the official name because uh talking about trademarks mm-hmm. um anchor brewing in san francisco has trademarked the term steam beer of course uh it is an american original uh it sort of started uh in the san francisco bay area all the lager brewers 
went out there with their lager yeasts, but they didn't have refrigeration at the time. Uh, so they brewed what they could at the relatively cool ambient temperatures uh, of the Bay Area. So basically it is a, a beer that is fermented with a lager yeast, but at a temperature that's closer to an ale. So a fairly warm fermented lager beer. So you get a relatively crisp, clean character like a lager, but with a little more fruity ester to it. Well, I, why don't we walk through uh, the beer? You've got a, a refined palate. You're a certified <laughs> Cicerone. Let's give us give us your review of your beer for the listeners. Yeah, so with this, I get some nice uh, bready uh, malt. It's malt-driven. Uh, I get some nice bready malt, a little bit of caramel. That spicy rye definitely shines through. Rye, to me, this is, this is going to sound bad. A lot of descriptors I use don't sound great, but because I, it's because I can't think of another way to describe it. Rye to me is like uh, spicy cardboard, <laughs> but <laughs> in right. a good way. <laughs> All right. Um, and then with the hops, bitterness is moderate. Uh, it's only 35 IBU, so it's not a super bitter beer, which is, I'm not a crazy, crazy about bitter beers, so that's right. good for me. Uh, and then those fresh hops give you the uh, the floral and the citrus, kind of an orangey citrus to me, character with the chlorophyll, that planty chlorophyll of the fresh hops. Yeah, yeah, I love I love a fresh hop beer. I love that the roundness that it adds to the, to yeah. the flavor for sure. Well, if uh, folks want to grab it, where can they get it at? We are doing an official launch party tomorrow night at uh, Northbound uh, Brew Pub. All right, on thirty eighth, five to seven p.m. There you have it. We are just about out of time. Uh, thanks for listening to the Minnesota Beercast. Thanks to Michael. Thanks to uh, Catherine and Sam. And thanks to lawyer extraordinaire Jeff O'Brien for calling in. That's right. Dilly dilly. <laughs> dilly, dilly dilly to all of you. Dilly dilly. We'll catch yeah. you next time on the Minnesota Beercast. Have a great weekend, everybody. Cheers. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer.